Champion Forest family. Uh, my name is Garrett Tremaine. I'm the student pastor here, and it is awesome to get to have the opportunity to bring the word to us this morning. Pastor Stephen Morris has graciously allowed me to come and, and give the word this week, and we hope he'll be able to give the word next week. Um, but man, what an opportunity it is for us to gather, even in the unique situation that we're in. You know, my heart is full of love this morning to be able to share this word with us and, and how timely of a word it is from God. I made a statement the other day. We were in a meeting and it, it was kind of a casual response. Uh, maybe this does or does not happen in your meetings, but there's often a lot of side conversations going on in meetings, especially because we're on Zoom these days. And so in one of these side conversations, I kind of made a statement in just, but as I typed it and pressed send, I typed it out of a place of, of not knowing really how to deal with all of the things that are going on in our days. We're in a meeting and everyone's bringing up all of the issues, all of the things going on in our culture, all of the racial tension, all of the plans being changed, all of the problems with trying to make plans, all of the issues that are unknown, that are unforeseeable, that we can't solve as this tension is rising, I just, I just typed something because I didn't know what to say, and I just simply said, man, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. That may sound like an exhausting statement, and we're going to walk through that a little bit this morning, but we have an amazing time in this world, in this moment of history to be alive. I don't know about you, but I relate to, to Rayanne and the message of encouragement that she shared with us this morning in that it has been an absolute roller coaster for me throughout the coronavirus season. My life has gone up and down tremendously. It's been such a roller coaster. I, I shared this with our students. We, I've had this image in my mind of a truck stuck in mud where, where the, the truck is just revving its engine as fast as it can. It's, it's trying to get out, but it is just slinging mud everywhere and making the situation worse as it tries harder and harder to get out of the, the stuck-in-mud situation that it is. And I just feel like that's been the, the overwhelming image of my life so often is that the more I try, I just seem to, to not be able to get traction in this season. In, in ministry, you know, I, I love to get to do what I'm doing right now. I love to get to open up God's word, to get to make it, make it known, to be able to preach and proclaim the love of God. But, but also a lot of what my job, what my role here at North Klein is, is that I get to organize. That I get to organize a group of people to, to do spiritual things. I'm, I'm the student pastor, right? So that means I organize students in, in a community and we, we plan things and we do things together as a group and 
And in this season, if, if you just think a little bit, it is incredibly difficult to organize a group of people. And so I've had to stomach the reality of not only my rhythm being changed, but, but so much then of where I've found my identity, my value system, my, my, the place, the things that rejuvenate me and make me feel good as I accomplish, as I, as I get things done, as I move forward, as we do things. When all of that comes to a halt, it starts to reveal some of the things that I've, that I've run to for rest, that I've run to for rejuvenation, for purpose, for meaning. And this season has been a challenge. This, this season, if you think about it, uh, preaching to a somewhat empty room is a challenge. But even in the midst of this, I know that, that, that as there is this gap between us and, and the camera that I just can't even begin to imagine the work that God will do as we stand here and as we proclaim his word. I'm just trying to be real that this season has been difficult, and it's been difficult for a lot of people. You might relate to me in having some certain things stripped from you, having a whole new rhythm and seeing that constantly change, feeling like you don't have traction, and it may even be worse from you. Maybe your entire job has been stripped from you, and now you're having to, to trust God when he says, I am provider. You're having to trust him. And my hope and my prayer for all of us this morning is that we are able to hear the invitation from God. This morning we're going to have an invitation where he's going to invite us into a relationship where we can find rest. In a season that, that none of us could ever even imagine possible is what's probably the most frustrating about this. That it, it didn't even come into our way of thinking that we could ever be in such a time as this. But I want to remind you of that statement I started off with is what a time to be alive. This is such an amazing time to be alive because it is such an amazing time for us to experience the invitation of the gospel. What Jesus is going to be able to lay so clearly for us is we get to come to him with our weariness. We get to come for him, come to him with everything that is burdening us and keeping us stuck. This opportunity is, a, is an opportunity for the gospel like I've never seen in my lifetime. I don't remember being taught anything in history. I'm not a history guy, so I'm, I could be wrong. I don't remember being taught anything in history that has united the entire globe under a, a specific crisis and issue like we are right now. To feel the type of unity that everyone feels for everyone to be going through the exact same thing. So history will speak to the magnitude of the moments of what we're going through right now. And what I'm curious about, what I'm wondering about is what will history say of the church? What will history say? There's, what do we want history to say of the church? Do we want history to write that the church went online? <laughs> do, do, do we want it to say that the church was able to use technology? Man, do we hope that, that history will write of a people that were able to believe God, of a people that were able to find hope in the midst of, a, of circumstances that were incredibly difficult, that there was a people that had rest, that there was a people that were rejuvenated, that had hope, that had life, that they didn't have to wait to the end of coronavirus, they didn't have to wait to things to get back to normal, but there was a people that had an answer to the weariness and to the trouble and to the struggle that we are in 
right now. I hope history is able to write of a church, of a people that believed God, a people that, that brought hope in this time. This is what I hope history is able to write. So before we get into the text, this is what I want us to do. I know in your living room, if it's anything like mine, if I'm being real, sometimes I was making breakfast, sometimes I was walking around, I might have been doing laundry. I want to encourage you in this moment, can we just, can we just take a moment, the magnitude of what God wants to reveal to us, can we just take a moment in our own space right now to just acknowledge that we are in the presence of God? So, so whatever you're doing, whatever it looks like, can you, can, you just, can you just take this moment to be in the presence of God, to, to close your eyes, quiet the kids, try to get the dog to stop barking? Can we just take a moment and acknowledge the presence of God? I want us to just take a deep breath. And as you exhale, I want you to just think about, let your mind think about the presence of God. Let your mind find rest in his presence. There's a simple prayer that God has, has shown me that I need to pray as I need to find rest in his presence. And it's this, it's that he would unite my heart, that he would bring back together my heart to fear him alone. To fear him alone. So God, can you sober us with your presence in this moment? God, can you sober us with the truth that you are over and above everything that we're going through right now? God, the many fears, the, the, the absolute weight that we are carrying right now, God, can you sober us from that to just look at you and find rest in your presence? God, as we read your word, I just pray that you would speak so clearly to your people. God, you love us and you are pursuing us with your word this morning. We're in Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28, and it reads this. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God, your word is is what our hearts crave, that we could find an answer to our, to our weariness, our answer to our laborsome, our burdensome times that we are in. God, could you walk us through your truth right now in such a way that would free us, God, that would free us to get to experience your easy yoke, God, and your light burden, we pray in Jesus' name. So as we walk through this text, I want you to understand the game plan. The game plan is I'm going to try to do my best to just defend what the text is actually talking about. We have some metaphors here. We have some different things going on that it is so important for us to be able to just stare at the text and look at the text and understand the text and not get caught in all the rabbit trails to how it has to do with our life. And then as we end, I'm going to, I'm going to look at our life in light of the text. All right, so we're going to try, to try to stare at this text and understand what the text is saying, and then we'll look at our lives in light of that. Here's the structure of the text. It starts off, it's just three verses. We have an invitation in verse 1 into a relationship in the second verse of our text where we can find rest at the end of our text in verse 3. It starts off with, come to me. In verse 28, this is the invitation from Jesus, and it swings wide the door, leading to everything we need for life and for godliness. 
and it's found in coming to Jesus. Jesus is speaking to those who, are, who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. That, that's the, the weariness that we're experiencing. He, he's speaking to us. The, the original audience the original audience would have heard that as, as the rules and regulations the Pharisees and the scribes had laid upon those that were trying to enter into a relationship with a Jesus. It was almost like they had a ton of hoops to jump through, things to prove themselves. That was just this heavy, exhausting, never-ending burden of religion that kept them from being able to experience the freedom, the release, the light burden of a relationship with Christ. That is the heavy burden that they would have, they would have had. And for us, I, I don't know what that heavy burden is for you, but I hope you hear the invitation to him to say, come. And it's important we understand that invitation of come in context. See, the verses prior to this is in verse 20 to 24. He just got through rebuking nations that wouldn't repent after they saw the miraculous done in their midst. They would not turn from their wicked ways. He just got through rebuking them. And then he says that God has hidden these things, these things being rest, these things being this easy yoke, this light burden. He says, I've hidden these things from the wise and the understanding, and he's chosen to reveal them to little children. What does that mean when he says, come to me? It means that he's choosing to reveal it to us as little children if we come to him in humility. If we come to him, if we come to him humbly, not having it all figured it out, not even needing to have it all figured out, but we come to him saying, God, I trust you. Lead me, Lord. I'm here for you. We come to him humbly like a child, and he will give us rest. As we do, as we come to him, the promise is that he'll give us rest. Friend, Jesus is the only person that can give you rest for your souls. It's what this text is boasting in. It's why he's the one inviting you to come to him, because he is the only one that can give you rest. In verse 2, it says, take my yoke. This is the, the, the part where, where we get into a relationship with Jesus. It's verse 29. It's the second verse of our text. Take my yoke upon you. You have to act. This section is dominated by verbs, the things that, that we've got to engage. We've got to be active in this relationship with Jesus. Take my yoke. It's going to be take, learn, and find. These verbs that we've got to be active the first thing to understanding is that we are going to be active. In it. But what is this deal with yoke? If, if you're not reading along in the scripture, I'm not talking about eggs right now, right? It's not a yoke. We're not, right? we're not making breakfast right now. A yoke is a, is a wooden like bar that would go on top of two oxen. It was a farming tool that, would, that you would connect two oxen so that they then, their power, their effort, and their energy would be connected to something bigger than themselves. Just think about the image of a yoke for a second. It connects two oxen so that the effort and their power, that their strength would be harnessed to a degree, that it would be connected to something bigger than themselves. That's the concept of yoke, that effort and energy of an animal would then be connected to something bigger, to a purpose bigger than themselves. But it's not just any yoke. He says, take my yoke. Take my yoke. This is his yoke. 
So what does this mean? It's as we understand it, that a yoke connects our effort and our energy to a purpose bigger than ourselves. We look that he's inviting us to a yoke where we can be, where we can find new purpose and new meaning in our life. Jesus is the one trying to be able to give us, connect our life, connect our effort, connect our energy into new purpose, into new meaning, into his leadership, his authority, and his power. What's the invitation when he says, take my yoke? It's that we would come under his authority. It's that we would come under his plan, his leadership, his desires. It's that we would be able to lay our efforts and our energy and we would lay aside whatever the outcome might be and say, Lord, I trust that whatever you produce from this is going to glorify you and that is all that I need. It is saying, God, I'm going to come up under you and be with you. And look, as we do that, as we do that, we, we kind of have to ask this question because Jesus is promising us rest, but he's describing a tool that's used for work. Jesus, this doesn't make sense. This is not the understanding of rest that I have. Church family, we've got to let Jesus redeem our definition of rest. We have got to let Jesus redeem our definition of rest. Rest is a kind of renewal. Rest is this rejuvenation. Rest is this giving us life to be able to get back in the game, to be able to work, to be able to be connected to a bigger purpose bigger than ourselves. What's so important and so hard for us to understand, this is the rabbit trail, I'll preach it later too, is rest isn't an escape. With Jesus, he's able to give us an answer that actually gives us rest in our way of living our life. That rest no longer is an escape for us. It's, it's now in our life obedience. Being able to live for the Lord is what gives us rest. And so as we do that, as we, as we come under his leadership, as we take his yoke, look what happens. It, we, then we learn from him. He says, learn from me. When we take up his yoke, we are able to learn from him. Does anyone know anything about farming? Uh, I feel like I could say whatever I want right now about farming. And because we are so far removed from agricultural uh, society that, that I can say whatever I want. But I don't know anything about farming. I just studied. All right. So this is from a book. I could be right or wrong. The statement is, whenever they would take ox and put them under this yoke, they would take a strong ox that, that was used to the work, that knew the way, and then they would pair it up with a weaker ox so that the strong ox could carry the majority of the load so that the weak ox could get used to what that lifestyle, what the work looked like. That's the picture he's speaking of with Jesus, that we would be able to come into and under the yoke of Christ where he is the one is leading us. He is the one pushing. He is the one, he is the one guiding us and enabling us to do it, that we learn from him is the image of the text of what's going on. That we learn a way of life. That rest is a byproduct of our lifestyle. It's a byproduct of our action. And this is the most beautiful part, is that as we become yoked with him, as we come under his leadership, and as we learn then that there is the way that we're supposed to live our life, this is what we learn about who he actually is, is that it says, I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. 
then we start to understand that the God that we serve is gentle. And he's lowly in heart. What does that mean? That he is, he is not only caring for us and gentle, but the lowly in heart speaks to his humility. This is a Philippians 2 type of humility. This is the, the type of humility that when Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not consider his godliness a thing to be grasped, but that he would empty himself and come in the form of a man to be obedient, even obedient to the point of death on a cross. That's the kind of humility that we find in Jesus that we learn about, that he has that kind of gentleness and that kind of humility that that's our leader that we get to be linked up with and live life with. That we learn he is gentle and lowly in heart. And there we will find rest for our souls. We find rest for our souls when we start to learn the way of Jesus. Start to learn the way of Jesus. I feel like we need to be reminded that Jesus actually practiced what he preached. Like for Jesus, he, he came and lived this life and he did suffer weariness just like we do. I was reminded when I tried to ask the Lord, when were you weary, Jesus? That was a dumb question. There's a lot of examples. John chapter 4 is the first one that came to my mind where, where Jesus has left Judea, is going to Galilee, I think. And the more of the story is that as he's going, he has to pass through Samaria and he stops at a well. And when he stops at a well, he's wearied, that's what the scripture says, from the journey, and so he sits down. And as he sits down at this well, his disciples go to find, find food, and, and then this woman of Samaria comes. They, in, they enter into this conversation where more or less Jesus chooses to reveal himself to her. That Jesus invites her into a relationship with him. He chooses to reveal himself to her, and in that process, then the disciples come back. And as the disciples come back, they have now food, and so they think they're going to give Jesus what he needs. They think what Jesus needs is food. And as they come and they try to do that, Jesus tells them, no, I don't need your food. This is what he says. He says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Disciples looking around, they're like us. They're like, did she give him food? Did you give him food? Who gave him food? Jesus Jesus says this, I just I hear the compassion in his heart. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Obedience in the way of life of Jesus, obedience is what brings about rest. That that is what brings, that is what sustains him. That that is what nourishes him. That that is what gives him life is to be obedient is to accomplish the work that his father has given him to do. And this is God's message to us. This is God's invitation to us that we will also find rest like he found rest as we come up under his yoke, as we learn from him, and as we walk in his way of life. And then the final verse is, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you experienced his easy yoke, his light burden? The answer to weariness, the how that we overcome this world. 1 John 5, 3 through 5 reads this. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and they are not burdensome to us. 
For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That that is our hope, that that's what we're coming into with Jesus. This is how we find rest, is that his commandments that it takes us the faith to believe that obedience to do what he asks us to do under his leadership will actually bring about the rest that we desire. And it takes faith for us to believe that, faith for us to put that into action, that obedience is actually what our souls are craving. And that is where we'll find an answer to the weariness of this world, to overcome, to overcome by our faith. As we look at our life in light of this text, I just want to encourage you to let go of your own yoke. To let go of of trying to pull the weight and do the things how you want to do them. To to try and, and believe the message of our culture. The message of our culture of rest is to escape. The message of our culture is to, to, that what you need is you need to stop having to deal with life for a little while, and then you'll be able to go back and deal with life. And the message of Jesus is so much different. He says, I'll actually teach you how that you can overcome the world in your life. That, no, I don't have to offer you this escape route over here. I can offer you what you need to thrive in your life. And it's through coming under my leadership my authority, my power, letting me give you purpose for your life. Let go of your yoke. Take up his yoke. In our culture, we are so accustomed to doing things for the outcome. We look at the outcome, we say, I want that outcome, and then we oftentimes figure out the shortcut of how we get to that outcome. That's just how we operate. We are all outcome-oriented. We cannot avoid it. And that's why it's so hard for us to realize the message of the gospel is because it doesn't so much focus on the outcome as it focuses on the lifestyle, the way of life that we're called to. And it takes faith for us to believe that there are steps for me to take that I don't have to guarantee the outcome of this. I just take these steps in faith and I have a promise for the Lord that he will give me rest for my souls, for my soul as I obey him as I walk this out. And that's the promise that we have from him. Rest comes as a byproduct of how we live our life. I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't have to offer us an escape, a way out, but he offers us a way to thrive, a way to, to, he offers us an answer to the hurt and to the pain and to the struggle that we're in right now. I, I'm reminded as to, to close, I, I want to share a story, and, and it's the story of I was at camp, and I was hearing this, this pastor try to encourage our leaders, and, and he was talking about a concept of rest, and, and I couldn't really believe how he was going about doing this. This is, this is the story. This is the storyline. He says, I'm coming home. It's been a long day of work, and I, and I go to sit on the couch, and I really just need to rest. And so I flip on the TV. I get some sports center going, and, I, and I'm just trying to decompress. I'm just trying to let go. I'm just trying to, to escape is the message. And then his wife comes over, and his wife wants to have a conversation with me. 
And his whole point of the message is he's trying to talk about how men rest and how women rest. And I don't remember what else he was trying to say, but I couldn't believe. I thought he was setting himself up to just slap himself with saying, how could I avoid my wife and think that this was going to give me rest? And that was nothing to do. That was a sidebar of the story, and he's talking about something else. And I couldn't believe it, and it so affected me that I went home immediately after that. And the moment of that, and and I had a conversation with Cassie. This was right before we got married, and this was the message that God showed me is we have to learn how to rest differently. That we have to learn how to rest differently. That rest for us couldn't be an escape, especially away from each other. That rest for us needed to be this this sense of obedience, this sense of taking God at his word and doing whatever it is that he asked us to do. And in viewing that legitimately as rest for us. That it was going to be restful to clean up the house. That it was going to be restful to take care of us. That it was going to be restful to have a conversation with my wife. It was going to be restful. One day, we're pregnant, to have a conversation with my kid as I come home. And it will be restful for me to do the things that God asks me to do. You know, I heard a teaching earlier this week that is so practical for us right now. And it was a guy who's speaking to believers and speaking to the church. And he was saying this. He was saying, we have, do a great job as, as believers to believe the gospel of our past. We believe that God forgave our sins. And we do a great job of believing the gospel for our future. We believe that God will forgive us, that that we'll go to heaven one day. But we have a really hard time with the gospel of right now. With believing that there is hope and that there is rest, that our faith has something to do with our right now situation. That we can bring our present burden into his presence and find rest for our souls as we come under the weight of his word, his leadership, and his way of life. The invitation is simple. It's come to Jesus. He's saying, come to me. Enter into a relationship with me under my authority, under my wisdom, under my word. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. I'll show you how to live your life, and I'll connect you to a purpose that is way bigger than you. And you'll find rest for your souls. You'll find my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I know you've tried to go and run. You've tried to figure it out on your own. Find rest in me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What if we as a people, we found rest in him? What if as a church that we didn't have to wait till after coronavirus to have hope and have meaning and have purpose? That that what if we didn't have to have the exact same way that we used to gather to see the gospel shed light and hope in a world that desperately needs it? What if we realized fully that there is nobody else that's going to preach the gospel to my neighbor unless I preach the gospel to my neighbor? And what if I'm not preaching a message like the Pharisees tying up a heavy weight of what to do unless I myself am doing it as well. That I am under the yoke of Jesus, freed from the heavy burdens and cares of this world to be able to walk the freedom in the light load of a life lived for the sake of the gospel. 
I don't know where you're running to to find rest, but my hope is that you'll hear clearly from him. His arms are wide open. He wants you to come to him and find rest in him. This is a thing for some of you that, that maybe this is the first time that you're going to come and you're going to find rest in the arms of Jesus. That, that this is the gospel that you are going to respond to him for the first time and say, Lord, it is sinful for me to live my life for my own purposes, for my own goals, for my own missions. I am disconnected from you. I have no care for you, God. I'm living in rebellion, Lord. I want to come and I want to lay that before your feet and I want to experience your grace, God, to cover me. Jesus, because you're the strong ox, God, you're the one that lived the life that I couldn't live. You're the one that then went and paid the penalty for my sin, Lord. You can free me from this from this weariness of my soul. And if that's you, I just I hope and pray that, that you'll reach out to a friend, that you'll stop in this moment and you'll pray to the Lord. And after that, you'll call someone you know that knows Jesus. If you don't know anybody that knows Jesus, we all have a number on the screen that you can, you can text your name that, that we want to walk with you through this. But church family, I know I know that this is not a message for just someone who has never heard the gospel. This is us that have heard it a million times and we need to come again. We need to come again to the reset. We need to come again to rest. We need to, to, to come up under the yoke of Jesus again and let him show us the way to live this life with him. May we come to him humbly. May we come to him with everything that we have. Can I just finish, before I pray, can I just finish with a real statement? To be honest, we have nothing to offer the world if we ourselves have not first surrendered our life to Christ. We have nothing in this moment, presently, every day, every hour, how you live. If you've not surrendered to the yoke of Christ, we have nothing to offer the weariness and the fallenness for the sin of this world. We have nothing to offer. If we haven't surrendered and become yoked, become under the yoke of Christ. God, I just pray your word would be an invitation for us to learn to rest different. To learn to come under your yoke, to come under your strength, God. That the thing, that this yoke, this, this call to obedience, God, as restrictive as it seems, I pray that you would free a people to believe you at your word, God, that we can, we can go and do what your word says, God, and it will bring rest for our souls. That it is a lie to believe that we need an escape, that we need a way out, that, that we just we need to get away from here. God, that, that maybe there was a people that didn't have to hate the season that we're in so much, but we could realize that this season is opening the door for us to feel the weight of an invitation to find rest in you. God, may we feel that weight from coronavirus, from everything going on, God, to find rest in you. God, help us to respond to your word, to worship you, God, in this moment, and to have the conversations with you and with other people that we need to have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.